High end over end variety. And Amani from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. All right, we're back. Duck Pod. Ryan Thorburn here with Ken Woody. We are getting ready for the Washington State game this weekend as the Cougs come to Dotson Stadium, uh, riding a four-game winning streak in the series with Oregon. That's uh, the longest they've ever had in this series. But before we look ahead to that, let's look back at really what was a great win for Oregon at Washington, 35-31. The Ducks were down 14 points in the second half. Storm back to beat the Huskies in another classic game. That's back-to-back years where this game has just been wildly entertaining. And Mario Cristobal goes to 2-0 and against Chris Peterson. Uh, Ken Woody, what did you think of this game? I thought it was one of the best football games I've ever seen, college or pro. Uh, two great teams, um, reputations that have uh, grown through the years, an intense rivalry. It had all the excitement uh, going into it, and I don't think anyone, uh, Husky fans might be disappointed by the outcome, but they can't be disappointed by the uh, performance of their team, which was outstanding, and the Ducks just had it down the stretch. That was uh it's like watching a 1,500-meter race where the lead changes hands, comes down to the last actually 20 yards, and somebody's going to win. And the Ducks really showed the resolve that Cristobal has been selling uh, ever since he got here. And I, I know there have been a lot of skeptics, and I've been skeptical at times uh, with the way things have gone or been going, but it all came together. They, As he said, uh, the the tougher the game, the better they played, and this really justifies all the hard work that we put into it all year long. Yeah, it was such a good game. I was talking to Justin Herbert on his way out of the, the press conference, and I tried almost got a good quote out of him. I said, Justin, just one more for me. Uh, you grew up in Eugene, you know, following the Ducks. You watch Marcus Mariota. You've been at rock bottom with 70-21. What is this what's the emotion of this win? And he paused and he was almost going to say something like, yeah, you're damn right. It was great to <laughs> silence 70,000 people on the road. But obviously he gave his cliche answer because he's so polished. But you could tell this meant a lot to him and to Shane Lemieux and to Calvin Throckmorton and the whole team, really. And not only did those guys you know, from Washington and Eugene that started at the bottom in 2016 and now they're at the top of the Pac-12 North not only was it enjoyable for them, but uh, it was quite enjoyable for the entire offense because the defense has been carrying the load for a month, and now the offense came through. That's got to be good for a locker room when you can either win on defense one week and maybe win on offense another week. That's right. The uh, offensive line in particular, uh, Panay, Sewell, Lemieux, uh, Dallas Warmack, um, I saw several times where Jake Hansen will forget the high snap, minus 19, uh, and, and that needs to be fixed. But uh, those guys really played well as a unit. On one of the duck touchdowns, the uh, uh, ball carrier's going into the end zone, and there's six blockers in front of them against two Huskies. 
And the reason there weren't more Huskies around is several of them had been knocked down, but a lot of them had been going the opposite way because a stunt was called and it just was the exact wrong thing to do and the Ducks made the most of it. But it was, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about it for Herbert, he showed uh, some real class there because he, he hit his first five passes, then he missed six in a row. And he looked, he looked bad. Uh, he missed some throws that uh, he should have should have made, and I attribute it to his footwork. There were times that you get him on the move, and he, you know he had time to set his feet and throw, and he didn't. I think he was depending too much on his arm, and the ball dies, goes at the feet of a wide open receiver. And you know when you're playing a team like Washington, you got third down, and now you're going to have to punt it to them. Uh, that's not a, a good equation. So he's got some work to do. That being said, down the stretch, he was uh, ice in the veins and uh, very accurate throwing the ball. And the receivers made some great catches and, even better, great runs after the catch. Yeah, I mean, the heroes of this game were the offensive line, but you know, people like me don't study that and watch the film. I admit I don't watch the film. I don't want to watch the film. <laughs> uh, I want to write about the games, and sometimes if you know too much, that will affect your writing. It's good to... I'm dangerous when I just know what I, the little I do. And I did tweet out that he was not setting his feet, by the way, during that stretch. And people are like, yeah, you're, I think you're right there. But um, So the heroes were the offensive line. But what about Cyrus Habibi Lakio? This is a guy that was kind of the hero in the Cal game and then had another good game the week after that. And then this week really saves the day. I think the play of – there were two plays of the game for me, fourth and one at your own – 34. 34-yard line, and Cyrus bulls ahead for seven. Um, I think everyone in the stadium knew he was going to run to the left side behind Sewell and Lemieux. Um, there's just – when those guys are on, there's nothing you can do about that, especially with a running back that size. And then the fourth down touchdown pass at the last play of the third quarter uh, to Micah Pittman, 36 yards on a fourth down play. If either of those two are stopped, I think Washington wins this game. Well, there's one play that no one has stopped, and that's the uh, screen pass down by the goal line. And this was the same play that they scored a touchdown on against Washington last year. It's the same play they scored a touchdown against Cal, but out of different formations, different receivers, and different motion. And, I mean, that's really to uh, Marcus Arroyo, the offensive coordinator's credit, that is just the ideal thing to have going for you when you have a successful play and you can show it in different looks and with different guys doing it. But the same thing, it's a kick out block by Sewell who obliterates uh, the poor defensive back trying to turn it in. Uh, a, a great block by, uh, uh, let's see, number 80. Brian Addison. Brian Addison and... Uh, Freshman receiver. Yes, and I mean, they're just... It's the same play, and it's brilliant, and the timing of it was great. Fourth and three, nice to see a play-action pass. Uh, on one of those screen passes, the Husky safety, who was uh, supposed to cover the back, was running the opposite way of where the ball had been thrown. And, I mean, normally you'd say that guy should at least see the ball and start. He, I mean, he was like he was running to the Husky bench. So they really had him bamboozled. I thought the Husky inexperience in the secondary really hurt them. They 
they were out of position a couple times, and they're known as a good tackling team. But Habibi Likio, when he jumped over that one guy on his touchdown run, that's you know that was big time stuff. And the first thing everyone looks at each other and goes, "Well, where has he been? Um, if he's been capable of that all along, then." Uh, you know, you're going, maybe they, he should have been in there sooner. But he was there when he be, was needed most, and he was uh, – it was great. They – Die Verdell, and uh, Habibi Likio got about 150 yards rushing total and only lost two uh, on the ground. And I, I think that's really good against the Huskies. The Ducks lost 39 yards, 19 on the sack, and then 20 – the last three plays of the game where Herbert's in the victory uh, formation running around and then downing it. So the uh, uh, I would I would say the Husky or the Ducks were at least uh, 20 yards better than what the final uh, rushing total was. But a great job by all those guys offense. Uh, they made some plays. They made some plays when you were you know your throat was dry and the sweat was coming down your forehead. And good for them. So on the other side of the ball, you know, I think someone asked me what my prediction would be like late in the week, and I kind of thought Oregon would win, but you never know. As I mentioned last week, Chris Peterson's a really good coach, and they're at home. They have those intangibles working. I said, you know, probably Oregon 21-13. Oregon doesn't kick field goals. They'll probably score a few touchdowns, but they're not going to give up much. Well, they give up 31 and win after having, you know, given up four touchdowns uh, all season. Uh, is that do you credit Chris Peterson and, and Jacob Eason who had a spectacular performance that's kind of lost now in the fact that they didn't pull it out or was Oregon's defense not on that game well uh, if you compare Eason's stats to Herbert's Eason uh, was the winner Eason would be the guy that you draft ahead of Herbert however uh the you know the game didn't turn out that way the one bad play that Eason had was the fourth and three the pass that was broken up by Mikhail Wright uh I I think that that guy was never open and uh Wright was right there in a position to defend it he threw the ball too hard and perhaps too soon might have given him another step or so to get a little separation however uh you know the Huskies have really good skill people and uh, the guys filling in for the ones who were injured played really well. Some exceptional uh, touchdown catches, long balls, that sort of thing. Uh, Ahmed, uh, running back, got 140 yards rushing. And he was spectacular, too. And you kind of wonder why maybe they didn't go to him on fourth and three. However, that all being said, the Huskies have they, I mean, they got 28 on USC. If you saw that game, you could see that they could crunch it and they could uh, go the long ball too. So I'm not surprised that they were effective offensively. And let me tell you this about defenses. You can have the greatest defense in the world, but if you play enough games, there's going to be a game where they get uh, uh, run over a little bit. And the Ducks held up pretty well in the run. The passing game, they had a mess up uh, on the 48-yard uh, touchdown to Chin. There was a screw-up between the corner and safety, and I, unless I knew the call, I couldn't say exactly who it was. But the corner was playing zone, and the free safety, who was aligned only at like 12 yards, which would show you maybe that he was in man from the start. Uh, he jumped a crossing route. The middle was wide open, and after the, the play, you saw – Graham uh, and Pickett in an animated conversation, and Graham w- 
being a senior, I guess. Uh, no, he's a junior. He's a junior. Yeah. But he's but played a lot of football. Yeah, and he seemed to be carrying the conversation, so you might think it might have been Pickett's fault. Uh, everyone else was playing man-to-man, too, so uh, I'm not sure about that. But that was, a, that was a, a bad mess up, and that's the first play over 40 yards they've given up this year. Uh, there were a couple other times on pass routes where there were guys out of position, but the Huskies use a lot of formations, a lot of motions. Uh, I think they've been really good at doing that. And the the Ducks, you know, they should look at uh, college basketball. North Carolina wins eighty-two to seventy-nine. You don't hear the defense, the North Carolina coach complaining about defense. It's understood. We got a lot of great ball players in this game. Everyone's going to score. They're going to do well, and we just want to be the guys stopping them at the end, which is what the Ducks did, and scoring at the end, which is what the Ducks did. So uh, everything was complete. I think the defense. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't try a, a couple of pass stunts at times when they didn't. And uh, I saw Thibodeau in particular once run literally over the tackle. But by the time he got there, the ball was away. So, uh, you know, you got to give the Huskies' offensive line credit for that. They they pass protected well. The one time they didn't, uh, Troy Dye is 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 like uh, the guy going to jump on a grenade. He jumps over a def- uh, running back trying to block him and chases uh, Eason into the arms of a sack. That was a huge play. And it brought up the only turnover of the game, which was that fourth down uh, attempt that failed. So in my advance, I mentioned that this rivalry has been a little lopsided in recent history with Oregon obviously winning 12 in a row. And then the manner in which Peterson won those two in 16 and 17, just complete blowouts. Now, obviously, there were circumstances there with Herbert starting his first game ever, Braxton Burmeister having to start the other one but I I felt like now it's kind of on even footing that's two years in a row where it's come down to one play basically two classics they both go to Oregon's side what do you make of Mario Cristobal being able to not only make this an even series but getting the better of Chris Peterson in two classic games if you have if you asked other college coaches or just football coaches in general what they think of the uh, Cristobal doctrine, uh, they would say he, he says all the right things. His team now is reflecting all those right things. And uh, it's just, it's fabulous. Peterson espouses the same things. The, the, the truth of the matter is they lost a lot of guys to graduation on the defensive side of the ball. That hurt them. Uh, I think that Eason's a better quarterback than Browning. Uh, Browning was you know had another part to his game that Eason doesn't which is scrambling and, and running the ball but Oregon is a better team than they were last year Washington's about the same which is real good and uh, uh, two good coaches I know Peterson I uh, knew him when he was a receiver coach at Oregon he's a solid guy he's an all-american guy just like Mario Cristobal and it just didn't turn out for him that time and too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we will talk about 
the Pac-12. Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. All right, we're back. Ryan Thorburn, Ken Woody with you on the Duck Pod. Thanks for tuning in. Ken, uh, looking around the Pac-12 a little bit, the other big game was in Salt Lake City and Utah smothered Arizona State 21-3. to So right now it kind of looks like, you know, Oregon is clearly in complete control of the North Division. It would take a complete disaster for them not to win this thing. Right now Oregon State is in second place by themselves. And Oregon's going to have the the head-to-head on everyone as well. So it looks like Oregon and Utah are on the path to meet in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, USC is going to have a lot to say about that. But what do you make of the Utes right now? I, I would say they'd better be careful against Washington. Washington, uh, their pride is hurt. Uh, they still want to demonstrate that they're a quality team and want to you know, do as well as they can, get as high as they can in the rankings and the standings. I would not write this game off as a victory for Utah. So uh, I think USC could still lose a couple games. but it, So it's not over in the south, and I wouldn't cede it to Utah at all. I think Washington is going to be a real tough game for them. Yeah, Washington has a bye week to lick their wounds, and then they host Utah. I think when the schedule came out, a lot of Husky fans were probably thinking, okay, we get Oregon at home, bye week, Utah at home. That is our ticket to winning the Pac-12 again. Now they just need to beat Utah for pride and a, and a better bowl game. Um, what do you make of the Beavers going down to Berkeley and winning 21-17? As I mentioned, they're now in second place in the North Division, showing some life in Corvallis. Well, um I have two emotions conflicting. One is I'm happy for all the Beaver players who have, you know, they're at an initial stage of what Cristobal's guys were a year ago, uh, you know, trying to hang on his word and, and believe that that's the way it's going to come true. But that game there was a, a an example of of how it's going to work if it's going to get to be the where they want it to be. So good for them. I think it's a lot of Duck fans don't like me saying that, but I think it's a lot better for the league. I think it's better for the Oregon Ducks that the Oregon State Beavers be competitive and uh, uh, you know makes the rivalry all that much more interesting. Now, having said that, I feel uh, badly for uh, Wilcox, the head coach, because I really like him, and he's, he's in the same boat that uh, Jonathan Smith is. He's saying the right things. It's just that he's a couple years ahead of them, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. The, the thing is, and people need to grasp this, is when you're down to your third-string quarterback, you're in trouble. So whether it's a Beavers, Cal, uh, any other team. Stanford Stan- lost to UCLA with their third stringer. Yeah, Stanford. And actually UCLA, when they get down to their second-team guy, uh, it's just a different ball game, And they're so important to how, how you can score and – compete in a football game that when they're not there uh, everything else is soured and then you know usc beats arizona 41 14 at the coliseum 
they go to Colorado on Friday, so they'll get have an extra day to prepare for Oregon after that game. And Colorado gets thumped by Washington State, 41-10 in Pullman. Uh, you know Washington State's program well. Are they back on track, or was that just Colorado gets everyone back on track? I think Colorado's not a great football team, especially defensively, and I think they're starting to show the results of being pounded uh, game after game. Washington State is a very dangerous offensive threat, and defensively, last year they were much stronger than they were this year. They They lost their top two tacklers, a safety who is NFL cap caliber, and the and then other guys through graduation. So and that's shown up on their special teams. They've in they uh, in the uh, UCLA game they gave up two hundred yard uh, kickoff returns. And maybe one of them was a punt return, but they were returns nonetheless. And and that shows when you don't have uh, depth, particularly on defense, your special teams are going to suffer. And Washington State special teams are not great. So I'm not. I'm not surprised by that. I think that Arizona was uh, overrated. They're, it's kind of like they got this home run hitter, their quarterback, and if he wakes up and the earth is in alignment, he's going to be hard to stop and can win a game for you. But uh, game after game, the, the, the lack of depth and, and physical prowess up, up front really hurts Arizona. I think Colorado is, is toast as is uh, UCLA. But UCLA, I'll tell you what, I I would not be afraid to bet on them when they play USC because uh, Chip will will be determined and they will run the ball. And, you know, USC is, they just lost one of their top running backs. And they they just have too many five-star guys that uh, care. And this is a blanket statement, so... If it's wrong, I apologize in advance. But they got a lot of five-star guys that are thinking well beyond team, and uh, that's you know for their sake. I hope that I'm wrong, but not until after the Oregon game. All right. Well, let's take our last break, and then we'll talk more about Washington State's visit to Autzen Stadium. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, welcome back. Ryan Thorburn here with Ken Woody. Ken, you know Oregon and Washington State inside out and out. Uh, two programs you're so familiar with. What has been the key to Mike Leach's four-game winning streak in this series beyond just the fact that he's gone against three different head coaches? His advantages he's had are arguably the best quarterback in the conference throwing the ball. And uh, his guy this year has, has, has transferred. And, you know, he's been lucky to do that. 
but he's also in a situation where he can look across the country and at the the best throwing quarterback available and say, son, you come here and you can lead the country in throwing. And uh, Minshew, his guy last year, is a great example of that. Minshew uh, turned out to be a great leader, and uh, that made them really formidable. As I understand it and what I see, that uh, the quarterback this year is really not of the same uh, leadership uh, influence. And that being said, part of it is that Washington State lost a bunch of guys through graduation. They have a lot of junior college players uh, playing receiver and so on. The problem with JC players are that generally they can be described as, and this is a generalization, they can be described as maybe having some uh, bad habits uh, on and off the field. But uh, the on the field ones occur because it's a little bit like high school where the, the, the player that gets comes to you is the top athlete and he's received less coaching than the 165 pound guard that they're depending on to even have an offense uh, in junior college particularly if you've got great athletic ability you're like the homecoming queen you got a lot of people after you and you don't have to do a lot of things personally to make an impression what you do on the field shows all now that's great and there are some, there are a lot of kids that come out and turn out to be really good team men and uh, leaders and so on but on the other hand there can be some guys that are trouble and uh, maybe they're inconsistent maybe they're selfish maybe when things get tough you see them arguing on the sideline this is what I see at SC uh, some you can just see that they're at times they're not a total team uh, and I think the same could be said for Washington State this year. They're just not uh, – they don't have the, the same quality and character of athlete that they had last year. They are extremely dangerous, and they are capable of – the other thing about Leach is he runs a uh, – he's a real smart guy. He's a law school graduate. Sometimes he doesn't act real smart, but uh, he gets his guys throwing uh, very precise uh, offensive – pass patterns and and passes and he has an offensive line that for what they do they could you could say they're the best in the conference they they line up and protect their passer and don't give up a lot of sacks i i would think that would be one thing uh, oregon fans would be keen on is to watch what oregon's front wall can do to washington state's offensive line yeah i can't wait to see what andy avalos does trying to defend mike leach in the air raid my first year here at the Register Guard was 2013. Obviously, Oregon had Marcus Mariota, and they were rolling at that point. And I remember on deadline late one night, which will be similar to this Saturday night, late, late, uh, Nick Aliotti, <laughs> probably a good sign that he was going to retire, let it be known that he didn't appreciate Mike Leach too much and, and that the Pirate really got under his skin in that game, even though Oregon dominated by you know, passing the ball with, you know, no time left and just not giving up. But that was a, a sign of things to come. Leach has gotten under a lot of coaches' skin at Oregon by beating them. And I'm just curious to see how Avalos handles this offense because they still have a lot of great receivers and they've had their moments this year. It'll be really interesting. I mean, even in 2014, uh, Mariota had to create some real magic to beat them. Uh, in Pullman, and that's the last time the Ducks did beat them. Well, they're they're not going to be easy to beat in Pullman ever. Uh, the one time when uh, Aliotti got under uh, Leach's skin 
or vice versa. Uh, Leach was throwing the ball with 30 seconds to go, and they're down by 30. And, you know, I was there at the game right then, and I know Nick, and I, I said, what, what, he's just trying to do what they do, which is throw. And uh, afterwards, I think that uh, Aliotti got a little, uh, uh, what would I say, a sermon from the, the league about yes. that, the conference commissioner. And uh, years later, he's... I think Nick, they uh, took some of his money as well. Yes, there, there was a monetary engagement. Nick said that a couple years later, he was out on the recruiting trail and he ran into Leach and they spent an evening, a late evening, talking football and so on, and all was forgiven. And he really thought a lot more of Leach yes. uh, through that conversation. So, uh, but Leach, you know, he's. I, one, his favorite quote that I have, I read his book, you know, Swing the Sword, about the, he, he's really into pirates, which this is going to be uh, Halloween. Might I'm going as a pirate to a party, so okay. I'm, I might ask him for some tips on that. But You can wear a headset. <laughs> <laughs> and a flaming torch. But uh, he, he, when they beat USC up in Pullman, after the game, he's been he's down in the field, and he always kind of looks like he's not quite sure what's going on, or he does know what's going on, and he doesn't care. And the the uh, announcer said, "Well, what's it feel like?" And he says, "Well, it's a lot like Woodstock, except everyone has their clothes on." And you know, for those of us who were around when Woodstock was there, that's funny. <laughs> I think one encouraging thing for Oregon is, you know, we saw it in in the victory over Colorado where Javon Holland collides with Troy Dye and has to leave the game. He's, you know, the best player on the defense, the star safety. And then Ron McKinley comes in and makes some great plays. Hockey Woods comes in and makes some nice plays. Last week, Diamador Lenore goes out with an injury after colliding with Nick Pickett. These ducks are hurting each other more than the other teams are hurting them. But at the end, as you mentioned, Mikael Wright is in there, and obviously that's who Easton's going to target, the freshman that's coming in, and he makes the stop. So they might have the depth in the secondary to maybe flank all these receivers in this four or five wide receiver sets. They do. They've got depth, but they also have talent. You know, Veron uh, McKinley, he's the guy who gave up the touchdown against Auburn, and you know, five games down the road, he's playing like a seasoned veteran. So all that really needed to happen is get those guys on the field and get them some reps. We're seeing that with uh, Micah Pittman and some of the other receivers that have not seen a lot of action. You don't hear anybody complaining about Oregon's wide receivers now. And I say they're even better than what they've been able to show. Two things I'd like to see Saturday. One is I'd like to see Herbert throw a deep pass down the sideline longer than 30 yards and complete it. And the fact that they they don't call it and haven't tried it, even at the point where they might get a, a pass interference penalty, to me that's a big thing missing from the offense. The second thing is Oregon's offensive line is Leach's nightmare. Oregon should be able to run the ball on them. Now, last year they should have been able to, too. I, I checked. Uh, Washington State's defensive line was outweighed 60 pounds a man and held the Ducks to 58 yards rushing. And that's got to be something that Cristobal will call to the attention of the offensive line. And these guys, that's going to make them a little irritated. And maybe if they're listening to me, that will irritate them, too, good then it was worth it. But uh, 
Washington State's defensive line isn't as good this year as it was last year. All that movement and stuff. If if power football can't handle that, well then, you know you're you're never going to make it. So I'm I'm looking for those things. The other thing is, I'm looking to see him get some pass pressure. That the quarterback they have, any quarterback, you get them to have to move and get out of their throwing rhythm, and you you got a a good chance to beat them. Yeah, I think one thing Cristobal has going in his favor this year. It, besides it being at Ots, and I remember last year they came out so flat after that Washington game. Game day was in Pullman, and they were down 27 nothing at half. Now they fought back, got within 27-20, but you know, they really lost the game in that first quarter. So what he has going for in his favor is guys like Shane Lemieux, who are in the locker room after the game talking about Washington State and, and the fact that that's on their bucket list to beat the Cougs. So I think this will be a motivated Oregon team, and I think – Justin Herbert will be able to do whatever he wants in this game if they unleash him, as you mentioned. Well, and speaking of Shane Lemieux, he had a terrible game last year. And I can recall the Ducks' uh, first possession, second half, and this is right after uh, Mitchell drops a Hail Mary that would have given him seven points at the end of the first half. Uh, The Ducks have – they score first possession, then they have first and goal on the seven. And they run three straight plays, zone plays, to the left, uh, Shane Lemieux's side, and it ends up they have to go to the field goal. So not so good for the offensive line. However, you're wondering, here's Justin Herbert in the game, and you're putting it to a, a, a running back of uh, it was not going to make the all-conference team, three straight plays in a row. But by that, I was thinking – the offensive line coach is making the decisions here, not the head coach. Because the head coach would have said, you know what? We got a guy here who at the end of the game had two, a touchdown pass and a touchdown run down there in the red zone. We just ran three straight plays, and our best athlete, our playmaker, our scorer didn't touch the ball other than to hand it off. That's not right. That's what cost him the game right there. Because to go make a 27-14 and you've scored two straight possessions, you're on your way. And uh, I guess the other thing is when Javon Holland had an interception wrestled away from him in the second half. And that was, I think, on Washington State's next possession after that. So the, the Ducks got back into it. But, you know, I was just – when I heard uh, – the coaches go, wow, it was really loud up there. I'm going, you know what? You guys had no idea, and you should have. Uh, the the noisiest place in the world per square inch is Pullman, Washington, and when it's game day, this is like their day in the sun. They worked 150 years to get that day, and you went up there being surprised by the noise. Uh, that was That was really bad. Well, I don't think Oregon will be surprised this year. I foresee uh, an Oregon victory. I would be stunned if they lost this game, but you never know. Uh, Mike Leach seems to have their number, so that will be interesting. What's kind of your prediction for the game on the way out here? I think uh, the Ducks will win. I think they'll win something like 42-17. to 17. All right. Well, that would be uh, – that would feel good for Shane Lemieux and company, and we will find out late Saturday night. That's a 7.30 kickoff on ESPN. Make sure you go to DuckSports.com for all the coverage leading into and out of that game, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in.